This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. Let's see how some of those hours were spent to bring you the music you want when you want it. Star Country Gold, a new three-record collection featuring country greats like Hank Williams Jr. Wednesday, and that means it's time for your ears to soak in and appreciate the smooth tones of this week's fabulous and fascinating For the Record. And my name is Tyler. My name is Gabrielle, and I need some smooth, smooth sounds in my ears. What's coming up in today's show, Tyler? Well, I don't know if you've heard the news yet, but here's a hint. tells me it's about the AFL Grand Final moving up to the Gabba. Well, you're just going to have to listen and find out. <laughs> I am so excited. Calm the pies. <laughs> I love Collingwood. Ah, oh, that reminds me. It's Father's Day. And it reminds me because my dad is an avid AFL Collingwood supporter. Oh. So we asked the people of Springfield hey, they, how they plan on celebrating their dads. And I went out and found someone to talk to us today about the current social media versus news media, sort of like a social media war going on at the moment. (laughs) Have you ever had to do something but goes against every bone in your body? We sent one of our producers to do just that. All of that and more coming up on the next hour at the moment. It is partially cloudy in Springfield Central, sitting around 25.8 degrees. Geez, what a warm start to the spring as it's so going so quick. Not as hot as the show, Tyler. After the break, we're going to be telling you to look here. Now, finding something to watch can be a pretty tough decision. With so many places offering content, you can find yourself in a pickle pretty quickly. If you're sick of the endless scroll or desperate for new content, we have the solution. Joining us now is the host of the Always Be Watching podcast, Dan Barrett. How are you doing today, Dan? Hey, guys. Doing good. How are you doing? We're pretty good. Now, so Dan, there's been some pretty interesting recommendations so far these last few weeks, and we're hungry for some more action, and you've certainly provided... Now, this upcoming show, I've been seeing all the ads and I've been wanting to watch it, but I haven't yet. So can you tell us about it, please? Look, I've been a bit tardy on this one myself, but this is a new Amazon TV show that asks the question, what would happen if superheroes were actually real? The greatest superhero team the world's ever seen, The Seven. Is there anything I can help you with? I'm not going to piss you about, Chewie. I heard what happened to Robin. You ain't alone, son. Soups lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. I can't stop. I can't stop. I love my superheroes, Dan. Tell us more about it. Okay, so there's maybe a bit of a trend that you find more in comic books than what you've seen on the big screen yet. And it's really the idea of exploring the uh, trappings, the uh, various sort of um, thematic ideas that you find in superhero books and actually exploring ideas connected to that. So going a little bit deeper than just doing action-adventure comics and really sort of exploring the psyche of superheroes and what it means to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. So what you started seeing through the like, 80s into the 90s is a range of UK writers primarily, and one of them was a guy named Garth Ellis. And he wrote this comic book series called The Boys. And finally, because we've seen so many superhero movies on the big screen and through TV, finally Hollywood saying, hey, look, how about we start exploring some of these like, offbeat sort of ideas that explore superheroes in the same way that comics did? So I've gone to one of the best ones, which is this thing called The Boys, 
which asks that question, what if superheroes were actually real? So you think about the idea of superheroes, and they're the most famous people on the planet. They've got abilities that are far beyond that of ordinary man. And what this sort of supposed the idea that if they were a bit more like, say, regular celebrities, so think about if you gave like one of the Kardashians, like the greatest powers in the world, and how terrible that would be. <laughs> people walk the earth who have like huge egos to them, and like because they're not only beloved. If you think about like how celebrities like their butts get kissed all the time, and you think about what that actually does to a person's ego, but then mixing the idea that they can also destroy a person with like the twist of a wrist, like it just kind of creates like an entirely different class of people. And so this show has an outsider entering a sort of team a bit like the Justice League or the Avengers and being surprised at just how awful and predatory all the superheroes that have joined this team actually really are. Oh, yeah. I've actually watched the show and I can vouch that it is awesome. Um, but it is actually awesome. So turn in, now we're going to turn to podcasts. What do you have this week for our ears? Oh, look, in the same way as uh, The Boys explores the idea of how superheroes could potentially just destroy the world, uh, this is a podcast called Rabbit Hole that looks at the way the internet can destroy the world. Where do we begin? Um... Hey, how's it going, bros? My name is... So many places we could start. What dream or vision do you want to turn into reality? Let's see. So did this stuff track with her spending more time on the internet? Yes, absolutely. So tell us more about this podcast, Dan. Yeah, this is called Rabbit Hole. It comes from the New York Times. And what it does, it explores through, I think, about seven or eight episodes, the impact that the internet's had on... What are, what are the impact the, the internet's had on society generally? And if you think about some of the bigger websites that we go onto, so like Facebook and YouTube, how there are various pockets that have existed on these platforms that have actually subverted society in a very sort of broad manner. So if you think about a lot of the negative, hateful comments that you start seeing coming from the internet and find out where they actually come from on YouTube and how the algorithm on YouTube actually perpetuates some of the more fringe voices from having more... Uh, it takes fringe voices to give them actually a mainstream platform. And so people may go there for the most innocuous sort of the video, but then suddenly find that they're absorbing a huge amount of hate speech and like really sort of interesting political ideas that are really far out of the mainstream. And you look at the way that organisation... Well, Organisations, probably not the right word, but movements like QAnon have really come from these fringe areas of the internet on mainstream platforms. Well, thanks so much for another great set of recommendations for um, Dan. It's Corona time. The coronavirus. COVID outbreak. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Forced quarantine. Global coronavirus. Your attention, please. Flight crew, please prepare for takeoff. Now, we've caught up with Asia, we've also caught up with Europe, and we've even gone down to Africa. Now it's time to head to South America to see how the locals are coping with COVID-19. Today, we have gotten in touch with Brazil, which is one of the most highly affected locations. Some controversial hot takes about the pandemic from Brazil's president have seen some coverage in Australian media. But other than that, we've heard very little news. To help us out and bring us up to speed, we are joined by Patrick and Mariana, who are currently in Goiânia, just outside of the nation's capital, Brasilia. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Thank you guys for inviting us. Yeah, no worries. Now, I wasn't aware of this, but Brazil has one of the highest infection rates in the world, with confirmed cases nearly tipping 4 million, with a mortality of over 120,000. First of all, how are you guys and have you been affected directly? I mean, personally, we're pretty healthy like we've not had the coronavirus at all i think we've known some people yeah my there. mom had uh like uh, the beginning like three months ago 
but she's okay. Pretty much no cross infection within the family or anyone. She she even lives with. Yeah, I had some some uh, co-workers that has had two, but uh, I think we did like I did like three or four tests, and I never. Uh, got it so we we are okay oh my gosh i think you guys are the first people that we've spoken to that have known someone that has actually contracted coronavirus what was that um like lockdown procedure like for her when she got diagnosed um uh we actually have a a, a medicine here um called uh how do i say in english hydroxychloroquine chloroquine <laughs> hydroxychloroquine yeah. yeah so uh because it's allowed to have here in the drugstore because we have another disease called malaria so um um some uh, doctor said that's really good if you use since the beginning so it's what my mom did with uh azithromycina which i don't know how to <laughs> say in english <laughs> so but she was just like by herself in um her house for 14 days um um she was having this and that's it she's she was fine after that yeah she, there was no hospitalization no. at all she didn't really seem to have any struggle breathing or taking care of herself it was more just really boring for her yeah. which is <laughs> the same for most people i think at the moment yeah, um, that's actually really good to hear that, like, you know, she's recovered and... She's okay. She's okay. It was always troubling when you have a disease like this. People are like, oh, what's going to happen in the end? Because no one really knows. Well, obviously, everyone's been very challenged in this time as we have to adapt to new things and new situations. What is something you guys have actually learned about yourself during this pandemic? What I do is I just live my life, you know what I mean? I work every day. I, I just stopped to work for two weeks, I think, right, like, yeah, and like so I, I also see my friends, I see my family, not all, because some of my family uh, prefer to be at home, which I respect and understand. But like, uh, I, I still do my things. But what I think I actually learned by, uh, about myself, it's, it's that I really like to be around people. So mm-hmm. sometimes I do miss a big thing with uh, my family or friends. So a little birdie told me that you guys were supposed to get married last month. How did that turn out for you guys in the pandemic? Yeah, it didn't, um, more <laughs> or less. Like, uh, so obviously, like an international wedding, me being Australian and, and Mariana Brazilian, like mm-hmm. it's important to have both families there. So we decided it was going to be in Brazil. Um, but obviously with my family not being able to come, uh, yeah, it just wasn't possible. I mean, not only that, like, we weren't able to have our wedding, but like I wasn't able to go to my brother's wedding either. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, we, we pushed it at the moment to hopefully May. Hopefully everything is all good by May and that you have an amazing wedding. Um, just one more, one more thing before we let you guys go. What do you miss most about the pre-corona world and what is the first thing that you will do once the pandemic is over? I think for us it's like, like I mean, similar to... to uh, my life hasn't changed very much to a large degree. I work from home all the time anyway, so I'm, I'm always on lockdown. But I think what we miss the most is like just being able to travel internationally, the wedding and, and going to the cinema or something. Yeah. Like things mm. like, yeah, really, I think it's mundane stuff that's just, yeah, taken away from you for such a long time. Yeah. Not having to think about getting a mask every time you yeah. leave the house yes. would just be sweet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Patrick and Mariana. Thank you, no guys. Thank Glad you. And in other news, have you ever had to do something but just goes against every bone in your body? 
Apparently, we sent one of our producers to do just that. Have you ever had to do something which defies every single fibre in your being? My mind's telling me no! Well, today I did just that. So I did a bit of thinking. Why not take a look at something which normally would never even pique my interest? A TV show, maybe a film. Something that if I was channel surfing, I would intentionally ignore. I've been avoiding this film like the plague since it came out 12 years ago. And I think the majority of the target demographic only really watch it for the lead male character. So join me as I attempt to watch and cringe a lot through Twilight. into the film and all that's happened so far is they're staring dreamily at each other and now he saves a life oh what on earth is happening in this universe i know what you are see it Out loud. Say it. Vampire. Oh, what? He's a vampire? Who would have thought? For me, so far, I'm not really a fan of this story. It's just very shallow. Oh, hello. You're a love interest. Oh, now he's a vampire? What? And now he tries to save the girl? I would have really liked I would have really liked to see something different and unique to try and set this apart from other vampire films. What? This isn't real. This kind of stuff just doesn't exist. That's in my world. So I've gotten to about three quarters of the way through the film and there's been barely any conflict so far. I mean there's been a lot of staring, dreamily and not much else. I really want something to sink my fangs into. Get it? Fangs? So after finishing Twilight, I haven't got a taste for blood. I find the story very bland. There's very little conflict until about 75% way through the film, and even then, it's a couple of fight scenes. There's not much imagination to the story. I found the sound track very repetitive. There wasn't really any proper music, and the composed tracks were all very similar in style and used the same sort of uh, notes in them. The performances from the cast aren't horrible, but the cast and the writers probably could have given them a little bit more depth to um, set them apart and, you know, just make them a little more interesting. That's all I really want, is a little bit more interesting. Um, and I found the cinematography mediocre as well. Not really anything special there. So overall, I think I would give Twilight a 4 stars out of 10, generously, and it doesn't get a recommendation from me. Now, I have a few words for Byron, Ooh. and his, I can see him, he's watching me in the producer's room. Uh-oh. Now, I am not ashamed to admit that I was a tryhard back in 2009, and when the movies were 
coming out. I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that I was yeah, in love yeah. with Edward Cullen. But I will have you know, Tyler, that that soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks <laughs> ever. It holds so much nostalgia. It introduced the world to Paramore, oh. which is so important because I mean, they Paramore. were very, like, low-key before Twilight. And I can see there's a lot of people that disagree with me in the producer's room. I do not care because there's a reason that Twilight is still successful and when the movies came out in like 2009 and it is still popular in pop culture. Tyler, just take over before I keep rambling. <laughs> All right, we're going to take Gabby down here. But up next, we are with the current lockdowns of Melbourne, the AFL grand final location is up in the air. Where will it be? You'll find out right here after this. You're listening to For The Record on phoenixradio.com.au. Now, with the recent rumours being confirmed that Queensland will be hosting the AFL grand final for the first time ever... Not only outside of Victoria, but at the Gabba, more than 400 officials have been flown up to Queensland from Victoria and are in hotel quarantine for two weeks to be a part of the finals. Professor Jane Summers believes that giving Queensland the green light to host the grand final this year will go a long way to further promote AFL in a typically NRL-dominated state. We have her on the line to discuss. Welcome to the show, Jane. Hi, Gabby. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for coming. Um, so obviously the most important question is what impact do you think this will have on AFL in Queensland? Well, look, this is a, a, a very smart strategic move by the AFL generally to really consolidate their grassroots uh, player base and supporter base in Queensland. Um, you know, it, it's been quite good for the game to be able to continue to play during COVID and, and particularly with the uh, extended lockdown in Victoria. But uh, I don't think any of it... I think they, they sort of saw the strategic um, opportunities in this, uh, in this as well as you know, just trying to keep the game alive. Mm-hmm. Now, Victoria has a... Con- I didn't actually know this, but Victoria has a contract with the AFL for the grand final to be played on their soil, which has been extended by one year to 2058 as compensation for this year's grand final taking place here in Queensland. Do you think... <laughs> Which is a very long time in my eyes, like 2058. Oh, yeah. Do you think that there is a possibility that once that contract expires, we will see AFL grand final locations decided by the teams playing? And could more grand finals be out of Victoria? Look, I think this is uh, the veritable crack in the, in the dike, if you like. So a lot of states will be watching what we do with this grand final mm-hmm. in Queensland. They'll be looking to see what the long-term economic and social impacts of it are. There'll be a lot of people doing some research around that because Mm -hmm. a lot of other states have said for many years that they think the grand final should shift around depending on which teams are playing rather than just have it locked into um, to to Melbourne. So if if Queensland does a good job, and I'm sure they will, and if if it does in fact generate uh, increased support for the code and we see an up, uptake in uh, players at particularly junior level, then a lot of other states will be making the case to the AFL that this is something that needs to be shared around. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's great that AFL could be leaving Victoria and I have a lot of Victorian family that are very annoyed on social media <laughs> that they're... they're Precious AFL is no longer being played in in Victoria for their grand final. Well, it was interesting, Gabby, in the promotional video that Queensland developed to pitch to the AFL. 
uh, there's a couple of kids talking about, you know, how excited they'll be to watch a live grand final here in Queensland. But the very first comment is, we also have a G in Queensland and it's called the Gabba. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think that um, whilst the Victorians might be cross that they're not going to get to see it, they, they wouldn't, it can't run there no matter what. So it's better than having no grand final. Exactly. And, 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 and interestingly, we've had a bit of a perfect storm for the AFL. I, I guess they're... Um, you know, very pleased with themselves because the Broncos have been uh, performing so badly mm-hmm. uh, that people are sort of turning away, and and the Cowboys to some degree. People are people who are stalwart uh, NRL players or supporters rather have been actually watching the AFL because the Lions are doing well, and we're seeing all of these um, club games being played in regional centres. So mm-hmm. people are going along for the first time. They're being initiated to, oh, this is, you know, quite interesting and exciting game. So it's a bit, the NRL sort of, I guess, got caught a little bit in that if the Broncos had been doing really, really well and the other Queensland teams had been doing well, perhaps the AFL wouldn't have had such a strong toehold as mm-hmm. they have now. It's almost like the Broncos went down and the Brisbane Lions came up. And I'm a, Colling- yeah. <laughs> I'm a Collingwood supporter, so it hurts to say that a little oh. bit. Um, <laughs> finally, Jane, which two teams would you like to see go head-to-head at the Gabba Grand Final? Well, you've caught me here, Gabby. I am not an AFL supporter, ah. generally. I know the Lions, so I'll say the Lions definitely in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe an all-Queensland final, you know, maybe Ooh. the Lions and the Gold Coast Suns. Oh, the Gold Coast uh, Suns would have to try a little bit harder <laughs> to make it to the grand final this season, I think. All right. Personally, I'm hoping for a Brisbane Lions versus Collingwood grand final. Ooh. That would be fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for calling in uh, to speak to us today, Jane. You're welcome, Tyler and Gabby, and I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, You're listening to phoenixradio.com.au. Now, with Father's Day right around the corner, we sent out one of our producers to find out how people around Springfield are going to spend Sunday. Tell me a little bit about your plans for Father's Day this weekend. I'm working. (laughs) (laughs) So my husband's just going to hang out with the kids (laughs) while I work. And my husband's working, so I'm going to hang out with the kids while he's at work. Packing for a trip out to um, uh, Simpson Desert. The girls will probably come over, but I've got to move them out pretty quick so I can do some packing. Our plans for Father's Day. We'll wake up and make Daddy breakfast, and then we'll go out with Poppy and have a barbecue lunch in the afternoon. Should be a bit of fun. We've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so um, I'm sure they'll be up nice and early, spoiling their daddy, Um, and then we'll go see my dad for lunch. I will be happy uh, if I get to wake up to bacon and eggs cooked for me and a coffee pot put on for me. That, I'm pretty happy with that. I don't need a present. I haven't had a present on Father's Day for probably five years. We kind of have this thing now in our house. We don't do Mother's Day. We don't do Father's Day. We just kind of gather as a family. So I'm, I'm pretty cheap dad. <laughs> well, not any plans as such because his father or their dad is in uh, isolation. He works in the correction services. So yeah, we might order some food from outside and that's it. (laughs) Our eldest son is coming over for lunch. Yeah. I'll bring the baby. And then we're going to the movies. Yeah, we're going to the movies, don't we? But that new tenant, that looks good though, yeah. We will be probably going out for breakfast um, and then we're going to head down the coast, get some fresh prawns and 
um, do a bit of fishing. Yeah, so we're looking forward to it. It'll be a nice day out. Yeah. yeah. Celebrate the dads and all that they do. Well, I don't know about you, Gabby, but for Father's Day, I'm going over to my mum's house first to have breakfast with my stepdad and then dinner for my dad. I have no idea what we're going to do for Father's Day. We normally go up the sunny coast to see mm-hmm. my dad's family, but I don't know what the go is this year with coronavirus and all. We don't Ooh. know if we'll be able to see my grandfather. Fair enough, fair enough. But after this, we are going to be talking to a local professor of economic and communication engineering to find out what is happening with the social media versus news media argument. This is For the Record on phoenixradio.com.au. And with all the controversy around the recent proposal the LNP has put forward to the parliament uh, detailing what social media organisations like Google and Facebook and what they have to do to interact with Australian news organisations and stuff like that, we got a very special person in. Today we talked to USQ's very own Senior Lecturer of Electronic and Communication Engineering, Dr Andrew Maxwell. How are you going today, Andrew? I'm really, really good. Good afternoon. So good to be here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. So what can you tell us about the bill and what it, what it entails? Well, look, there's a couple of things we need to need to talk about before we get to the bill. The key thing here is that we've got a lot of big social media organisations. We've, we've obviously got the Googles, the Facebooks and all that sort of stuff. And the key thing here is that they wield a lot of power. Uh, one of the big things about the internet is communities and any sort of group that can create a very, very large community can really start to control what their users see, how they interact with the internet, how they interact with news items with each other. And so there's a, there's a huge amount of control here wrapped up in these very, very big social media organisations. Now, when we come back and have a look at the bill um, and look you can go have a look at some of the details a lot of the fine detail is still a little bit difficult to understand but the key thing here is that um, it costs money to make news so we know that we've got lots of news organizations they pay money to reporters and and, and all of their analysts mm-hmm. and cost it's not free this stuff is not free and up until now some of the big players in the social media network have had almost free access to those stories to then rebroadcast onto both their own networks, but also in search engines. So, for instance, if you, if you typed in a search engine uh, for a particular news story, that search engine would be able to troll through all of the, the news items that are available in Australia and actually be able to pull a relevant news item out. And that drives traffic. So the whole thing here is it's driving traffic. And, and with any traffic, you can put ads in it. So the whole thing's a big money-making system so that when you're clicking and trying to find a news item, you see an ad. And every, at the moment, you know, the Facebook and the Googles, they're happy because they're making money out of those ads. The problem is that the poor news group really isn't making a lot of money off that leveraging of that platform. So um, if you click on a link and you get a news item, then poor news creator doesn't get actually, sometimes they, sometimes they get no money at all. So they, sometimes they get a little bit of money depending on the deal that they've signed, but usually they get absolutely no money whatsoever to support that. And what we're finding, particularly around the world, is that uh, a lot of people are getting their news not from news outlets directly, which you might have to pay a subscription for or, or, or you know, you, there might be some sort of paywall involved. And that's, that's what's keeping the news organisation alive, those sorts of paywalls, paying for that news. But the, the, the search engines and the social media are getting free access to that and then they're redistributing that around the world. So this bill is really about levelling the playing field uh, to what we think might be fair. Now, look, I don't, I don't necessarily have a, a direct opinion about what's good or what's bad here. So we'll just mm-hmm. stick to what they're sort of saying. They're suggesting that in order to create a level playing field, given the fact that everyone else has to pay for their news, we shall try and make it so that the social media platforms also have to pay for rebroadcasting that news. So that's really at, at, the, at the crux of all this. That's, that's, the, um, that's 
what this bill is trying to do. So what does this actually mean for like the future of Australian media? Well, it's, it's actually quite dire. It could be quite dire. There's a very... There's a bit of a, a fine tightrope that, or tightrope that we're walking here. So the news media organisations, look, if they're not very big, they're relying on internet traffic, they're relying on, on the search engines, they're relying on the Googles and the Facebook to actually help drive their traffic. But then at the same time, they need to make money off those clicks, which they're not at the moment. So what we've had happen around, uh, around the world, and so if we look around the world first, we can see what's happened, then we can try and bring that to the Australian context. There's, there's German law has changed things. There's a whole heap of things happening in Europe where they sort of said, no, we're not going to allow social media to access it. We're going to block uh, social media sites from accessing our news. Now, that's a very noble position to have. But then what they found was that those news agencies, their traffic plummeted. And before too long, they didn't have anyone clicking on their news. They weren't making any money anyway. And so they had to back away from that sort of a position. So if we roll that back to the Australian context, again, this could go either way. If Australia uh, stays firm and says, no, we're, we're going to require social media to pay for these news items, it's quite possible that uh, the social media sites will just say, well, fine, we will just simply not have any news from, uh, from Australia. And we've seen mm-hmm. those sorts of notices published recently. Or worse, the smaller news groups in Australia will simply not be able to compete at all because no one's viewing their items, because a lot of that is driven from Google. So really, I think it's a bit of a a tug of war here between these two competing interests. Obviously, the search engines want to make money. They want free access to as much as they possibly can to Mm -hmm. to help their bottom line. But the news agents, not the news agents, the news outlets need to continue making money for these items. So what does it mean for Australia? It it could go either way, but it it could set a very, very dangerous precedent if we lose this. It, It means that... Uh, big companies could just come in and troll through your uh, database systems for news mm-hmm. and, and take what they want to drive their system without having to pay for it. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it's something that a lot of Australians need to do more research in. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrew. That's definitely a lot to digest, and we really appreciate hearing your voice today explaining that for us. Wonderful. You're most welcome. Thanks very much. Now, there are many heroes in the world, including one of Phoenix Radio's very own. Here with your weekly dose of pop culture news is the host of Hero Time, our very own superhero, Russell. So, Russell, big news on the Marvel Universe this week. What's the story? Well, last week we had reports that Chadwick Boseman, the actor known for Black Panther, has unfortunately passed away, and every Marvel fan around the world is very upset about that news. Well, that's actually pretty sad, and I'm hearing fans of the paranormal have something to look forward to. Yes, Tyler. The sci-fi show The X-Files will be getting its spin-off series in animated form, set to be created by Fox. That sounds so great. Well, there's plenty more pop culture news coming up. Join Russell for Hero Time just after the news here on phoenixradio.com.au. But we have left the best bite for last. It's time for the hunt for the PM. How is that going, Tyler? I actually got to talk to someone today. I've been emailing people for like the last week. I called and they just... Do you want to know what they said to me? What? Send another email. Send <laughs> I'm like, another email? But I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And inside I'm like, why? Well, this is our why? second last show. I... So you only have one more week one more to week. try and get well... ScoMo live on phoenix radio i know i know i know we'll do my best i will do it otherwise <laughs> we might get another do. scott morrison I'll, from somewhere i will or find maybe another prime street, minister go but... out to the street and be like yo is your name scott morrison <laughs> yes okay hello <laughs> hello hello keep trying tyler 
Unfortunately, we've run out of time for today's show. We'll be back next Wednesday at 1pm here on phoenixradio.com.au for our last ever show. And if you missed any part of the show today, do not fear. It will all be available on Phoenix Radio Podcasts, available wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, we'd like to thank all of our guests from today. Plus, we'd also love to shout out to our amazing production team. Thanks uh, so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time, the same time next week. We're off like a bucket of fish in the sun. So stay safe and have a great weekend. See you all, guys. High-achieving Year 12 students who put the University of Southern Queensland first on their QTAC application could become rewarded. Automatic scholarships up to $29,000 are on offer. Make USQ your first choice and join the number one university in Australia for graduate starting salary. Visit usq.edu.au slash become rewarded for more details.